Greetings and welcome to Shnayim Mikra, the podcast series uh, sponsored and developed by the Orthodox Union, hosted here at OU.org. In each of these podcasts, we read, translate, study, analyze, and discuss one of the aliyot of the current week's parasha. My name is Yitzchak Et Shalom, and I'm delighted to be back with you this week as we study parashat Kitavo. Uh, one quick introductory remark about Kitavo before we get into the first Aliyah, uh, and then something about the structure or layout of the Aliyot here, which will help define the rest of our week. Um, as I mentioned in uh, last week's uh, series on, uh, on um, Parshat Kitetse, the bulk of Moshe's speech in Sefer Devarim, which makes up Sefer Devarim, is what we refer to as the Neum HaMitzvot, the speech concerning the mitzvot, which begins at the beginning, near the beginning of Parshat Re'eh, after Moshe's ethical exhortation with the historiography, historiosophy, um, and that begins with the beginning of Parshat Re'eh, it goes through Re'eh, Shoftim Ki and concludes in the middle of Parshat Kitavo. So we're looking at the tail end of the particular mitzvot that Moshe either repeats or the new mitzvot. Take a look at the Ramban in his introduction to Sefer Dvarim and our comments back on those podcasts. Uh, one other point is that the first Aliyah uh, is relatively short. It's 11 psukim. And even though that could divide into a proper Monday-Thursday reading, the common custom is that the Monday-Thursday reading includes the first two aliyot, which is somewhat of an unusual move. Uh, and uh, But we're going to do it based on the Shabbat division, and the, thus the first 11 pesukim will be the focus of this podcast. The next one is an even shorter aliyah, but then we will compare and contrast these two passages, which have a lot in common. Parshat Kitavo is, uh, first of all, a parasha which is never doubled up and never shares uh, with any other parasha. Second of all, it is a parasha that always comes a week plus before Rosh Hashanah, meaning it's always the Shabbat before the Shabbat before Rosh Hashanah. And uh, that is deliberate for reasons we'll talk about when we get toward to the end of the parasha. And the first few aliyot are all very short and very focused, and the sixth Aliyah is extraordinarily long, and uh, as such we will deal with it as we've dealt with uh, very long Aliyot in the past, and I'll make some general comments about it. In any case, When you come to the land, an interesting comment about that is the uh, Gemara, famously in Masachet Megillah, says that the word Vayihi, indicates some sort of troubles. Famously. The Gemara then limits it to but the Or HaChayim HaKadosh comments that the flip of that, which is always indicates some sort of celebration. And on this Pasuk, he has a comment, and it will be when you will come to the land. And he says this indicates that the only true happiness is coming and settling the land of Israel. Of course, Moshe, remember, is speaking to Bnei Israel just before he's going to die and they will cross into the land. And 
the land that God is giving to you as an inheritance. And unclear whether this is a command, as we saw at the end of Parshat, in Parshat Maseh, at the end of Sefer Bamidbar, you shall inherit it and settle it, or it's still part of the contingency when you come to land and when you inherit it and when you settle in it. Then, you shall take from the first of all of your fruit, Asher Tavi Me'artzacha, that Tavi, and here the word Tavi is a little bit tricky, uh, because the literal translation would be that you bring from your land, but you're already in the land. So what it means is that you uh, produce from your land. Remember, the word for produce in Hebrew is Tavuah, which comes from the word to come. It's something that comes out of the land. So you, and again, the stress is the land that God gives you. You're going to bring the first fruit uh, of the from the land that God gives you. You're going to put it into a basket. A phrase that we did not really hear in Parshat Ki Tetzev. It takes us all the way back to Parshat Re'eh. When we're told that when you come into the land, we will not do as we've done till now, each person putting up his own altar, but rather there will be a central location. That, of course, plays a critical role in Parshat Shoftim, with the uh, Kohen and Kohanim Alvim coming to that place, with the Beitin in that place. Uh, and now we return to it. You will come to the place that Hashem chooses, the Shaken Shemo Sham. The Shakain, of course, being related to the word Mishkan, the place that Hashem selects to put his name there, which ends up being, of course, in the final analysis, Yerushalayim. You will come to the Kohen who is in those days. Kind of a strange phrase, but the notion being that there is going to be a long history and there will be a whole string of Kohanim. And whoever the Kohen is in those days, that's who you come to. Chazal make a comment about that saying, do not sit there and uh, long for the great Kohanim of the past. The Kohen who is in your day, that's who you have. This is what you will say to the Kohen when you bring this basket. I have declared or confessed to Hashem your God. Now this is an odd phrase, we'll come back to it in a minute. That I have come to the land, that God swore to our ancestors to give to us. So in other words, you come with this basket to the place, and you say to the Kohen that you have confessed before God that you have come to the land that Hashem promised, which means you are reenacting now, and we don't know how often this is going to be, you will reenact the arrival of into the land down the pipe when there is a Kohen that will be in those days, down uh, later in history. He'll take the basket from your hands. He will place it in front of the Mizbeach of Hashem. And notice the constant emphasis. This is in front of Hashem. This is declared to Hashem. It's the land Hashem gives you. It's put in front of the basket, in front of the Mizbeach of Hashem. And then you shall respond and declare before Hashem. And here is a very famous declaration. Arami Oved Avi, much has been, much ink has been spilt on the word Oved here, but the simple reading, of course, is that my father was a wandering Arami, whether it's a reference to Yaakov or to Avraham. Vayered Mitzrayma, he ended up going down to Egypt, we're leapfrogging history. Vayagor Shambim Temeat, 
he sojourned there. He visited there with a small group, Meteimaat, a small group of people. And there he became a great, powerful, and numerous nation. That's our history. The Egyptians dealt badly with us, and they afflicted us. They gave us hard work. We cried out to Hashem, our God, the God of our fathers. And God heard our voice. Vayar, meaning he attended to our prayers. Vayar et onyenu vet amalenu vet lachatzenu. He saw our affliction, he saw our travail, and he saw our pain or pressure. Vayotzienu Adonai mimitzrayim biyada chazaka. God took us out with a strong hand. Vizron to yah with an outstretched arm. These are echoing some of the promises in Sefer Shmot. Uvmorag gadol with great fear and trepidation that caused on the others. Uvotot uvmoftim with signs and with wonders. Now, looking back at those four psukim from the middle of Pasuke, you can see that each one of them is a very, very compacted form of one of the segments of the experience of Egypt. Pasuke, the second half of the army, Overavi, is essentially Galut, going into exile. Pasuk Vav is Avdut, the oppression. Pasuk Zayin is Tefillah, crying out to God. And Pasuk Chet is Gula, God taking us out. That is where the section of this declaration ends in its recitation at the Seder. However, the Pasuk goes further, and the declaration made by the person bringing the Bikurim, bringing the first fruit, goes further. Because leaving Egypt is not the end of the road. He brought us to this place. And he brought, and he brought us, he gave us this land. Eretz, Zavat, Chalav, Udavash, a land flowing in milk and honey. I'm going to go back and talk about that phrase in the next podcast where it shows up again. Vi'ata, meaning this is still part of the declaration. And he says, Hinei at Reshit In other words, from Pasuk Hey till Tet is a declaration about Jewish history as it unwinds and unwound all the way up until this individual coming with the fruit. And now, the consequence of that is, I'm bringing the first fruit of the land that you've given to me, God. That's the end of the declaration. Then you put it down in front of Hashem, which is in front of the Mitzbeach. And then you bow in front of Hashem. And then, You rejoice with all of the good, all of the blessing, that Hashem gave you and your household, Atah, and of course, Sefer Dvarim, Vahalevi, Vagyar you and the Levi, and the stranger who is in your midst, which means you have to include them in a celebration. Now, first of all, this is, as we all know, a reference to the, uh, to the mitzvah of Bikurim. And the mitzvah of Bikurim, of course, only takes place when you come to the land. Uh, when you come to the, uh, to the land, which Hashem gave us, and, um, and only a fruit of the land. Now, taking a look at the um, at the uh, phrase "Higaneti Hayom I promise to go back to that in Pasuk Gimel. Why would somebody say to the Kohen, "I have said to Hashem, your God"? It should be Hashem, our God. But this is something that we find consistently in Tanakh, that whenever a person is speaking to someone who is considered to be his spiritual master, whether it's a Navi or a Kohen, usually with a Navi, 
He refers to, and Shaul says this when he speaks to Shmuel, um, Hashem, your God. Meaning, you're the one who's sort of representing this message of Hashem to me. So that's not such an untoward statement. If we look further, we find several nuances about uh, the mitzvah of Bikurim uh, buried in the text. The first thing is that the person who brings the Bikurim has to be somebody who is um, a, a landowner because he's thanking God for the land that he got, which means he has to be someone of those tribes and of the of the uh, place in the family who really would own the land. The second thing, and that there the first chapter of Masachet Bikurim details in what circumstances a person has to bring Bikurim but does not make the declaration because he can't say the land that Hashem gave us. A very interesting piece of that is that a ger, meaning a convert, not the ger of our parsha, but a ger, a convert, would bring the Bikurim but not make the declaration because he can't say that Hashem promised our ancestors. And very famously in the Yerushalmi, the quote the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, who says he can say our ancestors, and in Tzfilah he can say Eloheinu because every ger is a child of Avraham, and that of course the Pesach Halacha and the Rambam in Hilchot Bikurim. Um, and we help define who brings the Bikurim, who uh, does the reading, but there's another piece of the puzzle, which fruit and during what season are they brought? And we can see which fruit, because it's the fruit of the land. And we go back to Parshat Ekev, and we know that there are seven species with which the land of Israel is praised, and they are, and I'm going not in order of the Pasuk, but in the order of harvest season. They are barley, which is minimal, because it's generally animal food. There's wheat, there are dates and figs, there are grapes and pomegranates, and finally there are olives. And as such, the Bikurim are brought during that season, the season of that harvest. Since the Pasuk says at the end, Chazal understand that it means it has to be during a time of Simcha. And unlike our calendar, which has uh, a whole period of mourning during the summer, the summer was considered to be the time of Simcha, because that's when everybody is harvesting. And therefore, the time of Bikurim begins after Shavuot, not on Shavuot, but after Shavuot, uh, which is the beginning of celebrating the harvest of the wheat. Again, as I mentioned, barley is of little consequence here. And it continues all the way, and here is a machloket, it continues all the way either to Sukkot, or to Chanukah. Why would it continue to Chanukah? Very simply because olives, the last of the uh, seven species to be harvested, are harvested typically not long before Chanukah, usually sometime in late November, early December. Uh, there's much to speak about in that context with regards to Chanukah, but that's outside of our purview. And as such, the halacha is that someone who brings Bikurim, who has, who's bringing it from Eretz Yisrael, from the west bank of the land, who's bringing the proper species and comes to Yerushalayim between Shavuot and Sukkot, uh, does make the declaration. There is still a mitzvah until Chanukah, but we do not make the declaration during that season. Um, as I mentioned, we will talk about the phrase, Eretz Zavat Chalavud Vash, because it plays a very different role in the second Aliyah, which we'll look at in the next podcast. In the meantime, everybody should have a wonderful day.